Hey all you gals and guys, Grayson Parker Marcotte of the Sleeping Giant Podcast here, and I am here again to deliver unto you all a tiny little episode, a smaller episode, a mini-sode, a mini-pod even. I love the term mini-pod. I am far from the first human being or podcaster to use that term mini-pod, and I'm sure that I won't be the last, but I love it so much. That moving forward, anytime I do a little episode like this, it's probably going to be called a mini-pod. And this particular mini-pod is going to be about Star Wars, Episode 9, The Rise of Skywalker. Now, it's a mini-pod, so I'm not going to do a deep dive. It's not going to be a full review. I just kind of want to give my general thoughts and attitudes about this film, get them out there so that maybe I can revisit them in a week or so after having seen the film, hopefully again, perhaps even for a third, <laughs> maybe fourth time, and uh, and then come back to it and, and include it in my Star Wars episodes for 2020. Now, right away, this is uh, this film is it's the final Star Wars film in the Skywalker saga, so I highly doubt that it will be the last Star Wars film, obviously, um, but it is "quote unquote" uh, the the final film in the the Skywalker saga. So, episodes one through nine, Star Wars episodes one through nine, beginning with the Phantom Menace and ending now with the Rise of Skywalker. That story is done and dusted, and will presumably be placed on the shelf. This film was directed by J.J. Abrams. It was written by Abrams and uh, co-written by Chris Terrio, or vice versa, however you would like to uh, like to present that. The story was by Derek Connolly, Colin Trevero, J.J. Uh, Abrams, and Chris Terrio. Now, the interesting thing about that is that Trevorrow, 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 I'm never sure about the pronunciation of that name, excuse me, uh, he was originally attached to direct the project, but uh, dipped due to uh, alleged creative differences. However, it looks like you know he still gets a, a writing credit on the film, and I'm wondering if they ended up using a tremendous amount of the story that he had already written, or if they used enough of it that he got the credit, whatever. I don't really care, frankly. Um, just know that uh, that those those are in fact the credits, and uh, that is uh, what what went into the production of this film, Abrams being sort of um, thrown back into the game, as it were. Now, the runtime of this movie is an hour and 22 minutes, excuse me, two hours and 22 minutes, um, which is a a bit of a lengthy movie experience. It didn't feel that way at all, though. The film actually moves pretty quickly, and we'll get into that in just a moment. Um, I do want to say that the first few minutes of this are going to be as spoiler-free as I can make them, and if you'd like to listen to the whole thing uh, for whatever spoilers I may include, I'll definitely let you all know when we kind of move into that territory. So, um, again, to begin the spoiler-free discussion, um, didn't really go into this movie super hyped. Um, I was as hyped as I always am, I suppose, for a new Star Wars movie. Um, but, uh, you know, that, that sort of standard fan excitement aside, I, I just wasn't expecting very much. And, um, it was kind of reinforced during the opening crawl, which was just really weird to me and very jarring. It did not make any sense to me. And, uh, 
once the film started rolling, the opening crawl made even less sense. Um, which is funny because I'm still not sure about the time frame to uh, to which, or I should say, the time frame in which that the information in the opening crawl takes place. Because if they're talking about a time uh, later on in the story, it does make sense, I think. Um, but uh, if if this information had already been known at the start, uh, presumably between the end of the Last Jedi and the beginning of this film, then I I really am am lost and. I have no idea what's going on, but uh, so that felt kind of rushed. Um, in fact, the the exposition and the opening sequences of the film felt very rushed. Beautiful. Um, the cinematography in this film is uh, is absolutely stunning. Now, I would even go so far as to say that uh, it doesn't necessarily compare to the cinematography in the Last Jedi, which in my mind was was breathtaking, but. Um, that's, that's another story focusing on the rise of Skywalker. Um, once the opening sequences have been established, the film to me quickly sort of writes itself and, uh, the course is corrected and, uh, it feels like it's, it's moving quickly. It's, uh, it's moving smoothly. We see our main characters together again, um, we saw them all together very briefly at the end of The Last Jedi, but in this, at the beginning, they're all together, and right away, the communication between the characters is very entertaining. The The banter is, is amusing, and you get a real sense of, or you get a real idea that they they have gotten to know each other pretty well. And so the chemistry between the characters is fantastic, and, uh, and being with the Resistance, I was very pleased with Carrie Fisher's inclusion in this film and, and how they worked her into the movie um, after her, her unfortunate passing. I thought that it was, uh, you know, it wasn't without its flaws because we're still limited to a degree uh, by what we can do with uh, stand-ins and CGI, but um, the way that they chose to do it was very believable and, uh, and I found myself totally forgetting um, at moments that... Uh, that Carrie was was physically no longer with us. So hats off to the filmmakers for that. I thought that I thought that that was amazing. Um, so let's see, where are we? Um, it's it's a, being the end of a trilogy, being the final movie in a trilogy of trilogies is uh, you know ending that I'm sure is no easy feat. It's a it's a difficult package to wrap up neatly. And you know, going into this going into watching this movie, it's it's funny how serious I'm taking this. Um going into this film, I know now that as a as a viewer, you're not always going to be pleased. Uh, as a fan, you're not always going to be pleased. And it I have to give a big shout out to every filmmaker and creator that has taken on a Star Wars property uh, because it's got to be daunting and you have to, I think, possess a certain level of bravery to take on one of these films, especially after uh, what we saw in The Last Jedi or with The Last Jedi, I should say, and, you know, to, with, with other films to a degree. But, uh, you know, there's a certain level of bravery, I think, that one has to possess and demonstrate because you're not going to make everyone happy and you have to know I think you have to know that you are not going to please everyone and that uh, all you can do 
all you and your team can do is make the best film that you can make. So um, again, don't envy the filmmakers uh, their task of tying this all t- up together. But I think that they did a really good job. Uh, I really do. I mean, I think they did the best they could with with what they had. Um, again, once the film found its footing, it moved uh, quickly but gracefully. And uh, even I'd say that even if a few of the old uh, old school original trilogy cameos did feel a little forced, um, perhaps a little gratuitous, and not that this is a spoiler, of course, because we all know that uh, Lando is in this movie. We've all seen him in the trailers, I would assume. So I don't really think that's a much of a spoiler. Um, and let's be completely honest. It is very difficult. And there may be something wrong with you, in fact, if you are not completely enamored of Billy D. Williams as Lando Calrissian. I mean, he slips right back into that character. And it's it's flawless. It's amazing. I love Lando. It was great to see him. Um, so, you know, little things like that that weren't completely necessary, they feel good, you know, and I'm just going to say that, that it felt good. I was very pleased to see Lando and, uh, you know, I mean, it just, it, it really, it meant well and it didn't, didn't do me no wrong. Now, obviously we're going to move, uh, we're going to move through quite a bit of this because we don't want to get into spoilers right off the bat, but I will say to kind of wrap up the non-spoiler portion of this mini pod is that the film's resolution was it was satisfying to me um there were callbacks that were both logical and lovely i think and it put a seal on the skywalker saga that could potentially stay unbroken now it did also leave enough open-ended that uh or it left enough open-ended in such a way that we could see further adventures um, that are that are you know also logical and plausible for our new heroes and our new characters that we find in Ray, Poe, and uh, Finn. And uh, I, I think that we could still see several movies, uh, possibly, uh, in with involving these characters. And I'd be very happy to see them because. I think they're wonderful. Um, I think that what we got from the last film showed a, a real camaraderie and a real, um, a real genuine sense of friendship between these three. I've heard other people say that for the first time they actually cared about these characters, and, and I don't think it was the first time that I did, but I really believed in them and I felt for them in this film, and I'm pretty happy with the way things turned out. Um, I. Uh, I think that <laughs> I think that if you are not happy with the way that it turned out, I think that's fine. Um, I'm disappointed for you, of course, that uh, that this film wasn't everything that you wanted it to be. I feel this very similarly about the Last Jedi. But again, you know, kind of going back to that notion that not every film is going to be for everyone, and uh, you know, you're gonna you're gonna have things that you that you dislike about films. You're gonna have things that you really love about films, and you know, they can't all be winners for everyone. And that's, it's unfortunate, but it is the reality. And, um, I don't really have anything else to say about that without becoming, uh, <laughs> becoming ugly perhaps, or somewhat, uh, somewhat embittered. I don't want to be holier than thou anymore. That's certainly for sure. So that is going to be my spoiler free, uh, discussion of, of the Rise of Skywalker, Star Wars Episode Nine. 
I'm going to go ahead and move into some spoilery stuff. So if you are not at all interested in that, then I do suggest you turn this off and listen to this last part after you've seen the film. Okay, so, oh, in the beginning of the mini pod, I mentioned that the opening crawl was very jarring. Um, it begins with the statement, the dead speak, Palpatine has sent a transmission echoing throughout the galaxy, promising a threat of retribution, blah, blah, blah. And I did not understand that at all. I was like, wow, that is that is a bomb to drop on everybody right at the beginning I mean, we know time has passed. A period of some years has passed, three to five. I'm not sure how many, but um, so that was that was upsetting to read that. But I was like, okay, we'll we'll move ahead and see where this leaves all of the characters and what their attitudes are. And uh, after the crawl, you know, and we get our we get our infamous or famous, I should say, lovely pan down um, as we see in the Star Wars films. Uh, we follow Kylo as he's basically stalking the galaxy, trying to find the location of the Emperor, uh, presumably so that he can... God, I've been saying presumably uh, quite a bit. I'm sorry about that. I will try to uh, use my, I would say, adequate vocabulary to not have to repeat so many words so often. You know what? Whatever. Let's just get through this together, shall we? Um, So we're following Kylo as he's beautifully um, plowing his way through through uh, foe and fiend alike to get to the emperor and um, execute him, I suppose, so that he has absolutely no threat to his power. And we, of course, realize, or we are shown, that uh, Palpatine created Snoke, which, you know, I kind of figured, and I had assumed that for a while, um, but I didn't know for sure, and I really wanted to see how that played out. But it, it felt a little thrown away. I think the way that that was executed was was a little too fast, and um, I felt I didn't feel cheated. I just I feel like there was more that could be done that could have been done with that. And to that point, what I'm hoping is that the this film has been built in such a way that we will get plenty of supplemental material. Now, I love that stuff personally. I know that not everyone is a fan of reading the connecting novels, uh, novellas, and comics that come with Star Wars, but I love that stuff. Like To me, that's almost more enjoyable than the saga films. I'm all about it. I love it. I love getting into that and, and really getting down into uh, getting down into that information and sort of the behind-the-scenes stuff, if you will. Um, I know that the Rise of Skywalker visual dictionary, actually all of the visual dictionaries are very cool in that way and that they take you kind of um, into the story and into some of the imagery there and, and really give it that third dimension, which I think is necessary. Uh, if you want to understand something through and through. So I think we're probably going to get a slow unfolding of a lot of that. But uh, but to the casual moviegoer, you know, it might be a little, a little rushed. And actually, now that I think about it, if you're a casual moviegoer and you're watching this movie, maybe that's something that wouldn't bother you. Um, I don't know. I, it's hard for me to put myself in the mindset of someone who's only passingly familiar with Star Wars or only watches it on a casual level. I can only kind of speak from my own point of view. Um, 
but as such, I did feel that it was a little rushed. Um, I don't really have any problems with the Emperor coming back. Uh, clearly, it has been established that the dark side uh, and the use of hatred in the dark side or with the dark side can preserve your life force, even through uh, what you would assume would be, uh, <laughs> um, you know, completely uh, terminal a terminal end, as in the case with Darth Maul, but uh, but he came back and he was missing the entire lower half of his body. That's that's pretty jacked up. We didn't actually see anything happen to Palpatine's body. We just saw the explosion of light, and that could you know that could have been anything. Anything could have happened to that guy. Uh, and then of course in um, the Phantom Menace, we have the line, you know, the dark side can lead to abilities some would consider unnatural. Whatever. I'm I'm good with Palpatine being back. I wasn't stoked, but it's plausible. Um, and I can get behind it, I guess. Um, the only thing that I really have trouble with, or I'm still kind of ruminating over is the idea that Ray is a Palpatine. She's Sheev Palpatine's granddaughter, which granddaughter is definitely better than daughter. Um, but, uh, you know, it just, it seems weird. I can't really explain it more than that. It just seems like, oh, I know what we can do. Real quick, guys, let's make her Palpatine's daughter. Because there was no real lead-up to that. And and there was no, at least in my mind, there were no seeds that were planted that, that could bring us logically to this step. Now, again, going back to the, the expanded universe, which I guess is considered canon now, so not the Legends expanded universe, but uh, the info that you'll find in the novel specifically Chuck Wendig's uh, aftermath stuff. You find that you know the Emperor was up to all sorts of crazy contingency um, while he was still alive. So he definitely had plans in place. Um, you know this this thing that we're about to talk about, the final order, where he you know announces himself and comes back to uh, regain the galaxy. That's the final order. So you you get a sense of. Uh, you know, all of these directives or these orders happening sequentially um, or, or with purpose, I should say. So he was definitely behind, uh, you know, behind the scenes, pulling strings. We're, we're, led, we're led to that. And um, again, that's, that's plausible to me. I just, the whole deal of Ray being his granddaughter still, it just, I don't know. It just doesn't rub me the right way. I don't, I don't hate it. I don't love it. Um, you know, there's just something weird about it to me. Um, but, uh, but moving past that, um, we have just nitpicky things that, uh, that bothered me about the movie, um, that don't really even deserve a mention because, you know, it's like we were saying before, you're not going to make everybody happy. There are going to be little things that, uh, that bug each individual according to their taste and preference. So I'm not even going to mention them because I think they're silly and trite, and it really has no bearing on my appreciation of the film. Um, so that said, um, moving along, the, uh, the stuff that, that happened once again, once the film found its footing to me, I thought was just... Uh, it was it was gorgeous. It was beautiful, and I had such an amazing time going from planet to planet and and going on this mission of uh, of tracking down a Sith holocron. The second Sith holocron that we we learn is in uh, 
that we learn is in the sunken Death Star off of a moon in the Endor system. You know, so to me, that's what Star Wars is all about, you know, going to these different locations and, and meeting these different creatures and having these, you know, these adventures and, and these fights. And, uh, you know, it's almost, um, you know, it, it's an adventure film. Star Wars has always been very, uh, very much an adventure film, at least to my mind. And, and the things that I got out of The Rise of Skywalker were the things that I always loved about uh, about about Star Wars. And it was just... It was fantastic. Um, the The Knights of Ren are, in fact, in the picture, and they're really just, uh, it, you know, they help Kylo roll deeper than he would by himself. I'm, I'm glad that they're there. They don't do much. They don't say anything that I recall. Uh, there may have been some communication between them and the Star Destroyer when they're uh, looking for... Um, Poe, Ray, and Finn, and the gang on uh, Kajimi, I think, where we meet uh, Zori Bliss, which, again, the inclusion of her character uh, was somewhat superfluous, but I thought it was cool. I got no problem with it. I, I thought it was neat that through her character we learn that Poe had kind of a checkered past. Is that what we say, checkered? I'm not sure if that's the correct term to use um he he had he had done some naughty things when he was coming up and uh before he became a hero of the resistance and i thought it was cool to learn that about him um but yeah going back to the knights of ren and and their involvement with the story i just loved seeing them i i felt so shortchanged uh that we did not get any of that in the last jedi and i, I don't think they had to be an integral part of the story um to be cool, and and that's what we got, or at least that's what I got. So, definitely appreciate that. Um, I uh, I definitely don't want to go bit by bit because I don't necessarily remember enough of the story to kind of take us scene by scene through the picture. Um, there, you know, there's just all that excitement, and it's very hard for me to uh, it's very hard for me to be as objective as I possibly can be when I'm just that happy to be where I am. And, uh, you know, again, once the film got rolling, I was just just so pumped and so elated to be seeing the stuff that I was seeing unfurl. So if, if you're taking anything away from this right now, it's that the film was very exciting for me. I was, uh, you know, constantly on the edge of my seat wanting to see what was going to happen next. And, and I felt very involved. I felt very immersed in the story. And, uh, and that was great. So... Um, Moving along to, I guess, some of the, the more spoilery aspects of the story. Um, of course, the thing that everybody wanted, or and I, and I say that, um, you know, and, and as with as much hyperbole as, as I can when I say everyone, I know that the idea of um, Ben Demption is very popular. I know the idea of Raylo is very popular. Um, So with that, with with those things being uh, as popular as they are, I had wondered if we were going to get any of that, and we did. Uh, the way in which Ben was redeemed, I thought was graceful. I thought it was tasteful. I thought it was beautiful, and it was very emotional for me um, on on that sunken Death Star and the the battle uh, that ensues between Ray and Kylo Ren. He's mortally wounded as he's distracted by. Um, his mother Leia reaching out to him. He he's killed, uh, run through by Ray, which I 
it's so weird when you're watching these fights because obviously they're trying to hurt each other, but when it actually happens, it's almost as if they're surprised. And I, I really kind of relate to that. And I really understand that it's like there is a finality to this uh, to this thing we're doing. This this game we're playing does have an end, uh, and that end, you know, quite possibly will be one of our deaths. So when that happens, it's it's very dramatic. Um, but Ray is able to to heal Kylo as we uh, as we've been demonstrated this this new force healing power which by the way is not new any of us that have been playing the Star Wars games over the years know that force heal has been around forever um, and of course we've also seen it uh, in another show um, spoilers 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 um, so the power itself is not new um, but seeing it on the big screen in this way certainly is new but it felt appropriate and uh, and and I enjoyed it quite a bit to see to see that happen. Um, so after he's healed, Ray takes off and leaves Kylo sort of stranded, and he has uh, a vision, which I think was very cool. Han comes back to him, his father, and it's not he's not a force ghost by any means. He's it's uh, a conversation he's having with uh, with what he calls a memory, and they sort of call back to the Force Awakens and the whole scenario and conversation between Han Solo and Kylo Ren on the catwalk in Starkiller Base. And they sort of reenact that, except it goes the opposite way. And Kylo, having said that he knows what he needs to do, he just doesn't have the strength to do it. You know, will you help me? The memory of his father aids him in shedding the skin of Kylo Ren. And that was just amazing to me. It was it was uh it, it felt like i felt the weight of of kylo ren's or ben solo's guilt really falling away and i just thought it was beautifully done he casts his his saber into the sea and um and ceases to be kylo ren and that was just it was amazing to me i i loved every second of that and what's more is that uh with the death of Kylo Ren, we now have Ben Solo in the game. He is now a player. And y'all, Ben Solo is bad as fuck. I love this guy. Um, I am... <laughs> he was incredibly cool. He was just... He, he had the aspects of Kylo that that we've come to know and appreciate. Um, but he was... His attitude, his nonchalance uh, with his skill... And his approach towards uh, foes, I thought, was just, it was very much Han Solo. And seeing that play out, you you got this overwhelming sense, or at least I got this overwhelming sense, that, that this is the way things could have gone, and this is the hero that we could have had. And, uh, and yes, I know that that doesn't serve the story, and that's, you know, fanboy wishing, head canonizing, blah, blah, blah. But it gave you that taste and I think that that was important because you know finally that Ben Solo was a good guy, and uh, you know seeing him brought back from the brink of darkness and and from being Kylo Ren was just it was tremendously rewarding. Um, so yeah, unfortunately he doesn't last very long, uh, Ben, because in the ensuing fight against Palpatine. Uh, he and Ray go head to head against the Sith Lord, and of course, they're they're no match, at least not 
not as far as direct combat is concerned, not without use of some serious uh, reaching into themselves, or Ray into herself specifically, uh, reaching into herself to uh, dig down deep in them pockets, I think, as they used to say back on all that, and uh, and unleash a can of, of light side whoop-ass onto Sidious. So, of course, uh, you know, it, it is unfortunate that Ben doesn't make it in this fight, and that, uh, yeah, I, I'm kind of, <laughs> yeah, like just reliving that whole scenario is, uh, I, I think the film did its job because it's kind of, it's kind of emotional to, to reflect back on that. Um, but you know, guys, here's the thing, Ben can't live, uh, and we could get into a discussion about, you know, balance in the force and this, that, and the other, but I think the reality of it is he can't live for the same reason Vader couldn't have lived. Even having been redeemed, those two individuals have done so many horrible things. Uh, I mean, unspeakable acts of evil they've committed that there's just no way. The world, the galaxy, would not let them live. And it's not, you know, there's, at least to my knowledge, there's not a Star Wars equivalent of taking the black, um, you know, and living out the rest of your days on the wall, as one might do in Westeros. Don't think there's a Star Wars equivalent of that. Um, but yeah, guys, they had to die. It sucks. And it's it's hard to let that go. I would love, I would have loved to see more Ben Solo post death of Kylo Ren, but uh, but they had to go, guys. I mean, even sake of the story, notwithstanding, they had to go. There's no way that they could have lived meaningful, uh, happy, productive lives having done the things that they did. Um, but uh, that's, in a nutshell, that's really it. Um, I think that the Skywalker bloodline having kind of reached that end uh, was is necessary for Star Wars. I I really loved the inclusion of Rey taking the sabers, you know, sort of making a pilgrimage back to Tatooine, to where Luke grew up on the Lars homestead to bury the sabers. And uh, I thought that that was very touching. Um, of course, she did the obligatory uh, ignition. She ignited her saber for no reason whatsoever, uh, other than to show us that it was not blue, green, or red, but in fact, that orange that we uh, that we may or may not be familiar with, those of us that have played the, um, what am I thinking of, Knights of the Old Republic, probably my favorite Star Wars game ever. There was uh, Bastila Shan, who had the uh, double-bladed orange lightsaber, and that, of course, is uh, relegated to the Jedi Sentinels, but we're not going to get into all of that now. I've actually been talking a lot longer than I thought I was going to, but uh, but of course she does this, and, and there's a, a, an old woman walking by the way, and, and she sees Rey, asks who she is, and she says, I'm Rey, Rey Skywalker. So I thought that that was really cool. I thought it was a nice touch. I don't think it was 100% necessary. I'm still kind of on the fence about that one, but I thought it was a nice touch. I thought that if she was going to be anybody, um, you know, a Skywalker would be the person that she would want to be and and not a Palpatine. So I still need to think about that some more. I still need to see the movie again and reflect on that situation against the context of the entire story. I'd very much like to see it again um, for the second time, possibly third time. But uh, but that's it, guys. I'm, I'm done talking about that, at least for this mini-pod. 
Uh, if you would like to find me on the social medias so that you can send me your feedback, you can, of course, find me on Instagram at The Sleeping Giant Podcast. You can also find me on Facebook.com slash The Sleeping Giant Podcast, where you can hit me up on Twitter at TSG underscore pod. And uh, feel free to send me all of your comments, concerns, questions, or if you just want to hate on me, that's cool too. Um, you know, I, I just don't feel like I'm doing anything worthwhile if people aren't hating on me in some corner of the galaxy. So send that all my way. Good stuff, bad stuff. I don't care. Um, also, if you haven't yet, please take the time to give a review on iTunes. Leave that five-star rating because that is an awesome thing to do. And, you know, we still have a couple of days before that jolly old elf uh, tap dances along your rooftop with his reindeer. So uh, he's watching, y'all. If you don't leave that review, you know, he might leave some coal in your stock and maybe some switches. I don't know. I don't know how you guys do that. So, uh, again, I've been Grayson Parker Marcotte. And uh, thank you for listening to the Sleeping Giant Podcast. Until next time, y'all.